Amen. Um, Amen. Well, guys, I would ask if you have your Bibles, uh, if you would open them with me to the book of James. Uh, This is our brand new um, summer sermon series. I'm I'm pumped because I love the book of James. I think it's one of the most practical books uh, in the faith. In fact, that's why uh, the title says James, A Faith That Works. Um, because it is so practical, even though it's got some really hard teachings. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on James, uh, the, the James that wrote this book in particular, and was the brother of Jesus. We would call him the half-brother of Jesus, right? Um, because Mary was conceived through the Holy Spirit, um, but the half-brother of Jesus. And, and we know that the brothers of Jesus at one time didn't necessarily believe in him. Um, that they, they struggle with doubt. But James, uh, when he comes to faith, man, becomes such a powerful believer that he actually runs the church in Jerusalem. Um, he, he becomes such a force that he's able to, to, to help parties like Paul and Peter, who seem to be on different ends, like find commonality. He, he helps this great collection for the poor and the neglected. And, uh, and, and, and it's just an amazing book. And so I hope that you're going to be um, blessed by it. He's writing this to um, Christians primarily from Jewish background that are dispersed all throughout the region. Um, but it's got a whole lot to say to us Gentiles today. And so uh, I want you to do this with me. Let's pray. Um, We're going to ask the Holy Spirit um, to grant us wisdom, which happens to be mentioned in our text today, um, so that we might understand the Word of God, okay? Um, Father, thanks for loving us. We approach now your throne um, boldly with confidence um, because we're going to proclaim your Word. And God, your Word says anyone that lacks wisdom could ask for it and that you'll give it generously. And Lord, we need that. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're the teacher of this church. And would you please come take your place in our pulpit and exalt Jesus in our midst, that we might see him clearly and that we might want him more than ever before. If there's any way in us that is not right, correct it by the power of your spirit, that we might be the people that God has called us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Uh, Now, I'm going to ask you to get your sermon notes ready. A couple ways that you can do that. You can either grab uh, the bulletin when you came in, has sermon notes, or you guys can scan this giant QR code. I'm going to leave it up on the screen while I read the passage this morning. All you have to do is uh, open up your camera app, point at the QR code, and uh, it'll help you with our digital notes. And I'm going to be reading the Word of God while you prepare yourself to take notes. Uh, It says this in James 1, starting in verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And Aaron, that's probably enough for the QR code for our folks at home. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass, its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes in the same way the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
No one undergoing trial should say I'm being tempted by God since God's not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gets birth to sin and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Guys, I've got three things I want to share with you this morning, and I'll I'll just be honest with you. In that 18 verses, I I had like seven. So we kind of got to pare it down because, you know, we're on time constraints around here. So uh, three things I want to share with you this morning. And here's the first. I want you to know that the goal of the Christian life is maturity, right? The goal of the Christian life is maturity. Um, So I want to do this. I want to kind of take a closer look at the text. I'll put verse 2 through 4 up on the screen, and this is what it says. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And and so we were going to kind of dig into that. He says, Consider it, think it, count it as joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now that word trials, uh, literally we took the phrase, it means when you're encompassed, when you're surrounded by various King James versions, says temptations. Uh, The word literally in Greek means temptation, it means trial, it means enticement to sin, Uh, it means adversity. And and, and so, listen, uh, he's writing, James is writing, he says, consider it joy when all that stuff happens, right? Consider it joy when you're tempted, consider it joy when when you're facing persecution, consider it joy when there's trials, consider it joy when there's adversity, because he says this, and here's why you should consider it joy, because what it's doing is testing your faith, and when your faith gets tested, it it builds up in you this, this piece of character called endurance and he says when when endurance takes full effect you become mature and when you're mature you lack nothing right you lack nothing right and so listen as as James the brother of Jesus surveys the early church and all of its problems and y'all it had problems from day one right It, it has problems when you all begin primarily is Jews, uh, right? And, and there's this huge birth movement, and the first sermon, there's 3,000 people in your church. Hello, growth problems, y'all, right? We're talking about building a new uh, facility. We're going to have some growth problems. Well, guess what? All about growth problems. Like, we knew that, right? But, but then, uh, the gospel's not just for Jews. It's also for Gentiles. There's disagreements in, in the church. People are fighting over spiritual gifts. People aren't living the way that they should be living. They say, we believe this, but they're not living this. Um, the culture is pervasive and working its way into the church. Their mouths are saying things that they shouldn't say. They're doing things that they shouldn't do. And James looks out over the whole... By the way, that doesn't sound familiar, does it? Right? This has no application to the modern day church, amen? Uh, and so he looks out over it, and, and, and James is like, listen, if there's one primary root cause for it all, here's the cause. A lack of maturity. A lack of maturity. And James is not alone in that declaration, in that desire, seeing the need for spiritual maturity is one of the primary things that the church needs. And in fact, it's all throughout Scripture. The uh, author of Hebrews uh, writes this, 
in Hebrews chapter 5. He says, now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced uh, with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature. He goes on in chapter 6 to, to write this. Uh, he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God. And he keeps going on. He's like, hey, listen, guys, at some point, like, we've preached the gospel to you. And we, we've, you've got to grow up. We can't just preach the same message over and over and over. At some point, you have to start living this stuff out, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul had, had, had the same uh, heartbeat for the early church. He, he writes the church in Ephesus in, in chapter 4, and, and he's instructing the church. He goes, you know why the church exists? He, he says, listen, this is how God works. God has appointed people. God, God has actually called people to, to, to have certain positions of authority in the church. And he's equipped them to have these positions of authority. And all of those positions of authority and all of the gifts that he's given them are to serve one purpose, and that's to raise you guys up to a level of maturity. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, ready, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son. What does that say? Growing into maturity. The point of all this, of all that we do as a church, we're supposed to be becoming mature, right? That's the goal. He, he writes the church in Corinth, and uh, of all their many problems, one of the problems that they had is they were fighting over which spiritual gift was the most important. Right? And, and some of them are like, oh yeah, well I speak in tongues. And others are like, well I have the gift of prophecy. And Paul's writing them, and he literally is like, what, what is wrong with you people? Right? You sound like a bunch of little children. You, you know what's more important than all of that? Love! You need to love God. You need to love people. You need to love one another, right? You've got to get over this infighting. And so he writes at the end of the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, maybe you miss this, but, but here's what he writes. He says, when I was a child, I thought that way. Now, when I was a child, I spoke the way you are like a child. I thought the way you are like a child. I, I reasoned the way you are like a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. He's literally saying to the church, lovingly, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. So it's really important to establish, if we're going to study the book of James, that the author that wrote it surveyed the early church, which I think is a, still a current survey of the church, y'all. And he said, hey, there's a primary problem in the church. Ready? Here it is. Spiritual immaturity. Okay? So a huge theme in the book of James, as this great book on, on how to live out our faith, is that part of that, the only way that we have a faith that works is if we're willing to press in to becoming mature believers in Christ. Make sense? Okay, so that's where we begin. First point. Goal of the Christian life is maturity. Second thing I want to share with you this morning is that that maturity, true spiritual growth, only comes through the testing of our faith. True spiritual growth only comes through testing, Right? only comes through testing. Um, so I, this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, can I release you guys from a spiritual myth this morning? Would that be cool? Anybody like release from spiritual myths? That's good, right? And we can throw off some things. So I want to release you from a spiritual myth this morning. And here it is. Uh, we, the modern day church who live in the information, in information age, have kind of bought into a lie, right? 
And, and so that lie that we've bought into because of the age that we live in, kind of as a modern church, um, we, we've come to believe that spiritual maturity is gained simply by attaining more and more and more knowledge. Right? And so the way that practically works out then is that we uh, join Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. We go to conference after conference after conference. We read Christian book after Christian book after Christian book because we think that the more knowledge we have, the, the more mature we are in Christ. But y'all, that is not necessarily the case. And you say, who says that? Jesus. That's who says that, Right? So Jesus, in his most famous sermon ever, speaking to large crowds, and they're gathered amongst the ordinary people, are all the religious rulers, right? So, so there are a couple groups present. Uh, the Pharisees, who believe that you, they, they, they memorized all of the laws. 633 laws they memorized, y'all, because they believed if, if, he, if they could force the people to live rightly, God would have to send the Messiah. So 633 laws they got memorized. Then you've got the scribes, who, who not only have laws memorized, they have, uh, well, well, so-and-so, this, 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 uh, th- this rabbi teaches this, and this rabbi teaches, like, like, so there's people with tons of head knowledge. They have studied and studied and memorized and memorized. And so Jesus speaks to them uh, and basically says, all the stuff you're studying is missing the mark. Like you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't even look at somebody in lust. You, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit murder. You shouldn't even have anger in your heart, right? And they are like, whoa. And then when he's done talking, uh, he, he says this. It's, it's pretty, pretty huge. Um, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and uh, acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain uh, fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded against that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Now, I want you to notice, he doesn't say just everyone who hears these words. He doesn't just say everyone who, who learns what I've said. He actually says, no, the, the wise person is going to be the one who doesn't just hear what I say, but actually does what I say. Who puts these hard teachings I've given you into practice in a world that beats against you. That's the analogy. In a, in a society that will tell you that everything I've told you is wrong, and it's going to beat against you. And the wise person is the person that takes what I say. They take the stuff from up here and they apply it down here. Someone once said, you know, the distance between heaven and hell is not as far as you think. It's on average about 12 inches. The distance from the head to the heart. So Jesus says, listen, you've got to apply this. You have to do this. And here's the deal. As you do that, life is going to be hard. But only in those hard situations when we turn not to ourselves, not to our own reasoning, but we turn to and we stand on the Word of God. And we say, God, this is what you said. This is what I will do. And in that we learn that God's way works. That God's promises are true. That His power is real. That He never leaves us or forsakes us. That that He's always with us. And that He uses all things for the good of those that love Him. And y'all, the more we come to realize that in life, right? The more we grow up in understanding that God is in everything, right? And the more we learn to trust Him, the more mature we become 
But it only happens through trials, through applying what God says in <clears throat> the tough trials of life. Again, verse 3 and 4, I'm going to put it on the screen. You know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands this morning, although I, I could phrase it in a way where we could all raise hands and feel comfortable, but let's just be a little more practical. Some of you are here this morning, and the truth is, for some time now in your faith journey, you've kind of been feeling like you're stuck in a rut. I'm not calling you out. I'm not making you raise your hands. And I just wonder, because this has happened in my life, I wonder if what's really going on is that, that, that buying in to what the world thinks is wisdom, <laughs> this information age, we've done Bible study after Bible study, conference after conference, read book after book, and yet genuine change is not happening because we're not leaning into the hard things in life. We're not applying the Word of God in the places that we need to. I, 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 I believe this all my heart. I don't think the major problem with the church in the world today is that we don't know enough. I think the biggest problem in the church today is we don't apply enough of what we know, right? Because if we did, we'd look different. And it would be hard, y'all. The world would beat against us, and it should. And we should be okay with that. We're, we're not in it as Christians to win in this world. We're in it because we've already won in the next, right? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so I just want you to know that the more and more information... Uh, doesn't seem to be doing the trick. We need to focus on applying the word of God, all right? I love this quote from Warren Wiersbe. Um, I'll just share it with you. He says, the only way the Lord can develop patience and character in your lives is through trials. Endurance cannot be attained by reading a book, listening to a sermon, or even prayer. We must go through the difficulties of life, trust God, and obey Him the result will be patience and character. It's not just that I go through the trials, but it's in the trials I trust him and obey him, and through that God builds my character, right? Through that I get endurance. So, it's where we begin. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. All right. Goal of the Christian life, spiritual maturity. That maturity only comes uh, through the testing of our faith, which leads to the last point. Again, I, I probably had three or four more I could have thrown out there. But the last one I'll focus on is that because of these things, we desperately need wisdom. We desperately need wisdom so we don't waste our opportunities for growth. One more time. We desperately need wisdom so we don't waste our opportunities for growth. God wants you to grow, okay? But you need wisdom to see so you don't miss it. And uh, I'm going to put verse 5 on the screen for you. And here's... Uh, what James writes, he says, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives all, to all generously and ungrudgingly, uh, and it will be given to him. And it will be given to him. And so, um, I feel like the Lord kind of gave me this little phrase this week. I'm going to share it with you if you want to write it down. I think it's helpful. Um, why I need to pray for wisdom. Because if I don't, ready? Um, the trials of life are just hard if we don't see the Lord's hand. Let me just say that again, okay? The trials of life are, are just hard 
if we don't see the Lord's hand. That's why we need wisdom, right? Otherwise, we're just going to sit around and go, man, life, life is hard. Life stinks, right? Because it is. Because we face trials over and over and over. And, and if we, we don't pray for wisdom, if we don't see what the Lord is trying to teach us, uh, we, we fail uh, the test, right? We don't apply what we should. We don't trust where we should. And I don't know about you, but in my life, uh, when I fail a test, God is really gracious to give me that test again and again and again and again. Anybody else? <laughs> how, how many people you feel like, I'm stuck in third grade, right? Anybody? Anybody's experience? I'm just, you know, whatever. Maybe you made it to high school and you're stuck in physics. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I hated physics in high school. I hated it more in college. But, uh, right, anyway, it was fine. It was fine. Great grades. Um, some of us are that way. And I think God is kind in, in, in his desire to grow us. And sometimes he needs to grow us in a certain area before we can move on to the next. And so what God will do when we we aren't aware of his hand, of how he's trying to use something. He will graciously, after we miserably fail, uh, he'll pick us up. I love you. I have a plan for you. Come on, follow me. And then he'll give you the test again. And that it, it, literally, it'll be a trial or it'll be from your own heart. Some temptation will come for. Like he'll provide you with an opportunity uh, to step out in faith. He will do it, right? And you will either pass it or you'll fail it, and he'll give it to you again. He'll give it to you again. And so guys, what we need then is we need the ability to see. We can either ask God to help us see how he wants to use those trials, even those temptations, how he wants to grow us, or we can keep repeating and repeating and repeating the tests. Now some of you are looking at me, and the moment I said, I don't know about you, but in my life, God repeats tests. Your eyes went like this, by the way. I love you, but that's what you were like. Stop looking at me, Pastor. Some of y'all do that, by the way. You're like, please don't look over here. I look at everybody. I wasn't just looking at you, okay? It's public speaking 101. Look at everybody. But I get you, because I'm one of you. Same way, we all have that opportunity. Some of us have failed the same test so many times. Maybe you've lost hope, but don't lose hope. The reason God still gives you an opportunity is because he still wants you to grow. Until the day you breathe your last breath, there's opportunity for spiritual growth. Isn't that awesome? Isn't God gracious? So if you're tired of being stuck, if you want to get out of the rut, then join me this morning. Pray, God, help me see what you're doing. Help me see how you could use this trial. Show me what promise I need to cling to and apply so that I can get through this faithfully. And he will do it. All right? So, here's how I think we should apply this message. Three things very quickly. Number one, we should ask ourselves a question. Right? Pretty simple question. It's not, it's not a fun question, but it's a straightforward question. Okay, God, here it is. God, am I maturing in my faith? Am I progressing, right? And, and, and listen, some of you, God's honest truth, if Jesus were standing here right now, you would have to answer, honestly, I haven't been for a while, right? That's what you'd have to say. And it doesn't mean you haven't made progress, by the way. So do not hear this wrong. This is not like a beat down. This is just to say we all make progress. But sometimes we get stuck, Right? Sometimes we reach a point and we just get stuck. And it's not that you haven't been transformed. It's not that you're not safe. It's just that what you're doing currently isn't working. And it's just whatever, whatever trial that is, we're failing, right? 
And I think a huge part, I honestly believe a huge part of that is we've bought into this thought that spiritual maturity is all about me learning. And so uh, most Christians I know, I'm not picking on you guys, but we're trying, to, we're trying to build a culture as a church. And when we look at our church, most of our adults uh, want to worship, learn, 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 learn. That's what we want to do. We're trying to build a new culture where we're going to say that is imbalanced. We want you to worship, we want you to learn, but then you need to serve. You gotta have everybody, every one of us, every face should be serving someplace because that's how the body grows, because that's how we mature. And, and, and what if the answer was not that I needed more information, but I needed to start pouring and applying that information out through ministry? Whoo! Man, the world could change, right? A whole church could change, a whole community could change. So, so I want you to ask this question. Am I maturing in my faith? And, and, and maybe you look at, how do I deal with trials? How do I deal with difficulties? Am I overcome? Is it woe is me? Do I say, why God? Uh, you know, anger? I mean, you name it. Maybe, maybe it's that. How, how about your mouth? You know, is it the same? Is there a sin that keeps popping up, popping up, popping up? That's a sign, right? Where are you stuck? God, am I stuck? Where am I stuck? God, show me. So that's, that's, that's number one. Two, then we need to start thanking God for the opportunity He's giving us to grow. We typically don't do that. We pray, dear God, remove this thorn. God, remove this stumbling block. God, get this out of my life. I want easy, blessed life. I want health. I want prosperity. I want that stuff those preachers on TV preach. Bring it, Lord. Yes. Right? And yet, we know the truth. Right? I mean, Shane is sitting right here, overseeing a vineyard, right? We, we talked about this. We had our whole God of the Valleys here. If you want grapes to produce fruit, that vine has to struggle. Because if the soil is too good, and there's not enough rocks, and there's too much water, you will get the biggest vine on earth that produces no grapes. And the church in America is a pretty big vine, y'all. But I'm telling you, there are lost people on every corner, in every subdivision. And we are not seeing the fruit we should be seeing. Okay? We, to see fruit, we're going to have to struggle. Alright? That's how God's going to grow. So we have, to, we have to consider it joy, is what it says when we face trials. So uh, here's, here's kind of what I, I, the way I think about this. You won't think that your trial is good unless you think the God who can use it for good. Okay, this consider your trials for... You're not going to do that unless you start thanking God for every trial. That's the, that's the key. I think it's prayer. So when life gets hard, instead of going, why? I want you to go, God, thank you for an opportunity for growth. Show me how you want to grow me. Show me how I can respond. Show me how I should apply your word, okay? And then that leads me to the final point is daily we need to be praying for wisdom. Daily praying for wisdom. All right. <clears throat> now, that's a lot. And we got a lot to do today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you a couple announcements. We're going to let you go check in kids. We've got a big day this morning uh, here 10-ish after folks check in. We're going to meet back in the sanctuary. All our adults that are, are downstairs adults. Uh, now, if you're in the upper room, they're having a baby shower uh, during the Sunday school hour, so you're going to go up and do that. Every other adult, I'd like you to hang out in here. I want to share some big news, some big vision with you. Uh, and, uh, and so we're going to give you a few minutes to do what you need to do. Go get coffee, grab it, and then come back in here. Uh, it'll be good. Um, but I'm going to pray for us, and then we've got a couple announcements. Father, thanks for your word. 
Lord, it is good. And it is what we need to hear. Help us apply it to our hearts. Help us apply it to our lives. Help grow us, Lord. For everyone that came through the room this morning and, and that kind of light bulb went on, they said, yeah, I'm stuck. God, help us get unstuck. Help us not just crave more and more and more and more and more information, but God, help us crave maturity that only comes through applying that information through the trials and temptations we face. And in doing so, God, teach us that you're good. Teach us that you never leave us or forsake us. Teach us that you're enough and that we can endure in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.